Welcome to Be Advised, Leading with Value with Brad Swinehart. In this podcast, we will focus on successful marketing methods for advisors that generate prospects and clients. We will learn from the best in the industry on how advisors in the trenches today are growing their practices. Join us for this journey where Brad draws from years of expertise and guest experts to help advisors reach their full potential. This podcast is brought to you by White Gloves Podcast Connect Program, a done-for-you, fully integrated podcasting system that will help you keep in touch with all of your leads. Is there life after being a sixth-grade teacher? Well, just ask Brad Swinehart's guest. Chip Munn is now CEO of Signature Wealth Group and creator of The Basis Method. He's a regular contributor to Financial Planning Magazine and hosts his own podcast, The Maximum Advisor. Welcome to this episode of Be Advised, Leading with Value. Chip, thanks for coming on the show. It's great to have you. Thanks, man. Great to be here. Appreciate you having me. You have an amazing story, right? Sixth grade teacher to $1.8 billion in assets under management after going independent in, what, 2016? Yeah, we, um, I've been in the business since 98, uh, but we started our own firm in 2016 with about $280 million in assets. Uh, today, we're somewhere between $1.8 and $1.9 uh, Definitely different than teaching the sixth grade. I love it. But, you know, there's probably some similarities there, right? Learning how to talk to people, instruct people, be well-liked. Yeah, I, th- I think so. You know, if nothing else, you know, again, I taught uh, sixth grade in 98. Uh, if nothing else, it got me comfortable talking in front of a group of people. You know, my first day as a school teacher, uh, my first experience was I was going to be the the cool guy, you know, sit on the stool and and within about 30 seconds, had a, a young lady raising her hand and pointing to my crotch saying, you got a hole in your pants. So uh, I got yeah. really comfortable in front of groups of people and being uncomfortable during that year. But it's one of those things, a lot like what we tell clients, Brad. Uh, I didn't know what I was going to do when I quit being a school teacher, but I knew what I wasn't going to do, which was go back to the classroom for one more year. So it, it, a lot of similarities still feel like I'm teaching every day, but, but definitely a, yeah, it's a different day-to-day experience for sure. And I think just that's so powerful being comfortable, being uncomfortable, right? That's uh, that, that could be a, that could be a whole episode right there that we could talk about. Yeah, for sure. So you did see tremendous growth though. Once you, once you went independent, you went from 280 to 1.8 billion, which is impressive. You know, what would you attribute that growth to primarily? Well, I think a, a big part of it, uh, it started with the reason why we went independent to begin with. You know, we had spent years at a regional broker dealer and had gotten to a place where we felt like we could grow, but we were constrained by where we are or where we were. And yeah, our belief was that there was going to come a time where there were 60 plus year old advisors, you know, 65 year old advisors who wanted to eventually transition and be able to retire. There were 20 somethings that wanted to get into the business. I was 23 when I got started and there needed to be a bridge in between those two. Uh, And so we were a group of 40 something year old guys who felt like we could be a bridge. We could work with the 
the older, you know, more seasoned advisor who might be interested in doing a transition but didn't build a team and still teach the younger advisors to be able to uh, run a practice and to give them a system for being able to, to do that. And so uh, going independent gave us the opportunity to really spread our wings with that. And we were able to use the, the system that we created to, to build our own practice to start, to be able to teach other people, to be able to do some acquisitions and to, to partner older and younger advisors and give them a track to run on to be able to grow. I think that's so important in this industry too, is that, that track, you know, so many advisors get put in that position where they want to grow, they want to get into the business, they want to help clients. And when you first start out, it's, there's no playbook to follow. There's no, there's no clear path to success. And so many advisors have done so many different paths to see success and, you know, to, to help mentor them with someone who has been in the business for a prolonged period of time, who has seen success. I think that's really important. Yeah. I think that, you know, one of the biggest things that, you know, they say that the person that you're most able to help is the person that you used to be. And for me, you know, our kind of specialty in terms of advisors that we work with are between 50 and 250 million who want to grow who are trying to get better and to uh, and who are open-minded to doing different things. And, and the biggest thing for me, uh, Brad, was I still work in my practice every day uh, while doing these other things. And so seeing what's going on every day, what we did was I finally got to a place where I could stop, take a breath, figure out what it is that we had done and then go back and document, again, going back to who I used to be as the original, you know, as the junior partner 23 years ago, and how did that progression happen? And then I actually document kind of some of the steps that we took to be able to share it with people in a followable manner, because really it's, it's what, you know, what I did, what we did in order to be able to get from where we were to where we are. I think a lot of advisors kind of get bought into this shiny object mentality where they see this working for someone, they see that working for someone. So they kind of jump from one thing to the next without really paying close enough attention to the growth and the dedication it takes to really get good at something and to really refine it. You know, as you said, you went back, you looked at everything and you said, Hey, this is what worked. This is what, what provided us with that growth. But on the flip side of that, I'm sure there's a ton of things that you had done that didn't work, that didn't provide growth, that slowed you down. And that's almost just as important to weed that out as it is to focus in on the things that worked. Yeah, I, in all my work with advisors, we, we have 25 in my group. One of the things that I've learned is it is, um, it is in our DNA to want to do our own thing to want to blaze our own path and, and figure things out. We're always going to be, or, or most of us, dealing with the shiny object syndrome. I think the key is to have a framework to work within so that you can still try new things. I, I tend to call our, uh, our local office kind of the test kitchen or the laboratory, always working on new things to find things that work and be able to share them with other people. But all of our advisors still have their own ideas and want to be able to do their own thing. And so I think the key for me is to 
really just have a framework that you can work inside of. It, it's a lot like the the lines on the highway. You know, you can drive a lot faster if if the lines are marked because you know that the car coming in the other direction isn't likely to hit you because they have their own lane. Uh, whereas if it's not marked, it, it's it's hard to go fast because you don't have a, a again kind of that that framework to run inside of. And, and I think that's the biggest part is, you know, for me, it was figuring out kind of that, that broader framework that could work, but also allowing for different tactical ways to be able to go in and implement certain things. I think that's really important to have that framework, have that, this is how my business is going to operate and then build in room for testing, room for shiny objects. Cause you're right. The, the testing mode, the, the constantly seeing what will work, looking for that new Avenue that has to be a part of growth because you're never going to get that next best thing. If you're only, only doing what you've always done. And you know, they, they always say, do what you always done, get what you always get. And I totally disagree. I think if you keep doing what you've always done, you're just going to see dis- diminishing returns and eventually you're going to have to find something else or to, to mix that up a little bit. And yeah, in marketing, they talk about having a control, right? You, you have a, an ad or, or whatever, and you, you find something that works. And then going forward after that, you then um, you find you, you, any experimentation you do, it is against the control. Can I get, get better than what's already working? And, and I think that the purpose of that is so that when eventually one particular tactic, you know, eventually you're right, diminishing returns, then you've constantly been cultivating what the next thing that you'll do is. I think tracking and measurement is incredibly important because if you don't know what's working, you, you know, I think that most advisors can relate to the idea of we did it until it worked and then we quit. You know, it finally worked. We finally, you know, <laughs> you right. get to that point and it's actually working and you're so successful with it, you stop. And, and I think that that's, again, it's a symptom of the entrepreneurial spirit that a lot of us have. But I also think, you know, one of the core premises, you know, of kind of the, the foundation that I use, the basis method uh, that we've talked about is, you know, one of the middle steps, the A stands for attract. Well, there are a lot of ways to attract your ideal client. And I think that that's an example of putting yourself in a position where you have a, a framework, you know that you need to attract clients, how you're going to do that, what target market you're going to use, how you're going to do the getting them to compelling them to call or then educating and motivating and kind of cultivating those relationships. There are lots of hows that are available, but it's still built inside of something that if you follow the steps, can actually work. And that makes total sense. And one thing that I always discuss with advisors is not necessarily what's working best, but what's just working. And we saw just over the last 16 months that, you know, seminars work great. We all know that seminars work great when you put time, effort, and energy into be becoming a great presenter, you know, and then we transitioned into webinars and a lot of advisors struggled because that presentation is like, it's like you're learning from day one. And a lot of advisors just came back and said, Hey, these don't work, but they forget that when they first started doing seminars, they didn't work either because it it takes time to hone a skill. And I'm talking to advisors now and they're thinking, 
well, as soon as live comes back, I want to stop doing webinars. And my pushback on that is, you know, maybe you got a four to one or five to one ROI on seminars. Maybe you're only getting a two to one or three to one ROI on webinars. Why would you ever stop? Why wouldn't you do both? Why wouldn't you expand and make sure you're hitting the, all of the available inventory in your area? And I think that that kind of ties in with your system here is, you know, how do you invest in your business and then ultimately scale? And I know that's part of the, the basis method. And maybe we can focus on that for a few minutes here. Sure. I, well, I think that, so there are a couple of areas, right, that, that you want to make sure you get right. Okay. And I'll, I'll hit on the basis method, the five kind of parts really, really quick, just so that we can jump off kind of wherever is most appropriate, but B stands for build. So, so that's kind of the begin with your end in mind. What kind of team are you going to build? Who's your ideal client? Attract is the second step. Uh, choosing the one target market at a time. I think that's a big thing is that there's a big push and I get it to niche down and, and that makes complete sense. I think there are also a lot of advisors with legacy practices who aren't comfortable going to, I, I have a, a somebody that I interviewed on Maximum Advisor who uh, only works with optometrists. Well, that's cool, but I've, you know, I've been in business for 20, almost 25 years, and I have a, a wide variety. So I think that when it comes to marketing, one of the things to understand is, again, one target market at a time, educate and motivate, which is webinars, workshops, you know, uh, podcasts like we're, we're talking on now. The third step is systematize. That's all of that day-to-day -day stuff that most advisors have a pretty good system for those things. Uh, portfolio management, planning, you know, your, your operational systems. Fourth is to invest. And that means not your investment process, but your investment in your business, in your clients. So what are you going to do to retain nurture lifetime relationships, orchestrate referrals, and then finally scale. So when you get to a certain point with all of those other things in place, then you're in a place where you have everything documented. You're able to train more people and you can look at staffing up and then uh, where you may want to, whether it's continuing with further organic growth, growing your own practice, or getting into acquisitions. And, and really, I think the, the more important things to understand in, in order to scale are how are you going to attract clients and how are you going to invest in and nurture and orchestrate referrals? And you touched on quite a few channels of growth there. And one thing that, that really advisors can focus on to see that ultimately come to fruition is like you mentioned earlier, is to have that process in place, have those guardrails up, have those lanes defined so that you're not doing the, the thing that all amazing salespeople ultimately end up doing, and that's seeing success and then stopping. This podcast is brought to you by White Gloves Podcast Connect Program, a done-for-you, fully integrated podcasting system that will help you keep in touch with all of your leads. When it comes to that organic growth, what have you seen so far this year that's been maybe a little bit different than in the past few years that that advisors should focus on? You know, I, I wrote actually last month about this in financial planning. One of the things that we've uh, seen 
we had never done any real direct mail. And so one of the things that we did uh, started doing is a monthly postcard to our clients and offering them kind of, yeah, our belief is that, you know, the psychology of a referral is that, you know, there are a few things that have to take place, right? They take place in conversation. And so the client or has to think about you or realize there's a conversation about money, think about you and interject you into the conversation. And so we designed these postcards backed up by different guides on topics that our clients could, you know, and so we use the postcards to say, hey, if you hear anybody who's talking about social security and their concerns about whatever, let us know, we'll send you a guide to give to them. And we've seen, you know, so in our first four months, we mailed out three postcards per, uh, or 300 postcards per month, so 1,200 bucks, brought in $1.2 million in new deposits from existing clients and referrals of my other advisor retired and I need to bring some more money in. My mom, you know, I'm, I'm having to deal with her stuff. And so we had a, an eight or 10X ROI just on mailing simple postcards inside of our existing business. So that's just an example of investing in orchestrating referrals that has been, you know, pretty surprising. I mean, you know, anytime you do anything, you certainly expect it to work, but 10X in four months was, was pretty surprising for something as simple as that. You're not wrong. Cause I hear that same story or those same testimonials back from, you know, tons of advisors we have. I was actually just talking to an advisor the other day and he's used us for seminars and webinars for years. Last year, he signed up for our nurturing platform and we do everything through, you know, digital. So it's all email, it's websites, it's social media, but you know, kind of the same concept there is, is nurturing that existing base. And he, he actually just told me yesterday that if he looks at just his webinars or his seminars that he's done with us, he's got an eight to one ROI. But when he factors in all of the people that eventually came around because of the nurturing platform, he's actually at a 21 to one ROI. And that's just simple stuff of working those leads that you've already spent money on. And, and we do it digitally. I, I, um, I've heard similar success stories with the, the postcard, or there's an amazing company, Reminder Media, that does a, a customized magazine and they do a, a postcard service as well. Those guys are great. And we, I know a ton of advisors that use that service, but same mentality that, you know, just staying top of mind and, and pro- providing some, some value to them on a regular basis keeps you in that um, forefront of referral state. Well, and you mentioned, you know, the, as soon as things open back up, I'm going back to live performance, right? And, and one of the things that I talk a lot about with our team is, you know, we saw two vastly different environments in 2019 and 2020. They were completely different in a lot of ways. And there were good things in 2019, live performance uh, workshops might, might have been one of them. Things that worked really well in 19, and there were things that didn't. And there were things that worked really well in 2020. We started doing a bi-weekly office hours. So, you know, for a while, it was every other Friday at lunch. We, we just got on Zoom and our clients could come in and ask questions. We'd stay for 30 minutes or an hour 
and we were just always there. That was something we didn't do in 2019 that we did do in 2020. And so my big thing has been take the things from 19 that worked, take the things from 20 that worked. And as we reopen and things continue to evolve in 2021, add back the things that worked and leave the rest of it back in 2019. And I, I've been preaching the same thing. So it's, it's so good to hear from another industry leader that, that you take what worked in 2019. You don't just give up on everything that you found out worked in 2020. I mean, from a, a white glove perspective, you know, we would host a annual training event that we could get 300 advisors at. I think the last one we had was in just pre pandemic February, 2020. And we had just under 400 advisors show up for a live training two day event. It was fantastic. And, you know, obviously that all stopped in 2020 and instead we, we went virtual and, and at the end of last year and beginning of this year, we've actually done training events for 10,000 advisors now and instead of 400. And that's something that we never want to stop doing. It just, it's, you have to add in the efficiencies that we found in 2020, as opposed to just that, that just gut reaction of, oh man, I can't wait to get back to what I was doing two years ago that was working. You know, don't give up on the things that are working now. Yeah. And I would be, yeah, I would at least be mindful of the fact that in 2021, people are going to be different than they were in 2019. And so what worked back then may not work anymore the same way that it did. Not to say that you abandon it. It's just going to be, we're all different people. I mean, we've lived through a lot in, in the last year. And so we're, as advisors, we're different. Our clients are different. And so you, again, yeah, I think that you focus on the big picture of, of here are the areas where I need to do some work and you just evaluate what actually works now. Again, I, I have no reason to think that a lot of the stuff that we used to do, whether it's workshops or client appreciation events or whatever, I have no reason to think that people won't want to come out and do those things. But it's, I think, a mistake to assume that, that what they will want will be exactly the same. And so I think that we have to be prepared to, you know, just to make small modifications which thankfully aren't nearly like the ones that we've had to make over the past year. I think it's going to be a, a learning curve, right? There's going to be those people that are just desperate to get the heck back <laughs> to something that they recognize and back to something that's normal. And there'll, there'll be a big swing that pendulum will swing the other way. And then, then things will settle back down when they realize they can do that stuff, but they don't have to because it's more convenient to do things virtually then it's really going to settle into what I believe will be a nice mix of in-person, virtual convenience and accessibility that clients and prospects are going to want and expect from their advisors more now than ever. They, if they want to meet in their pajamas via Zoom, then that's how they're going to want to meet. And if you're not comfortable doing that, then you, know, you have to be comfortable with them talking to somebody else. And, and the same thing with prospecting or, you know, client meetings or any of that stuff, you know, there, you can't just fully pull away the conveniences that we've learned over the last year. Yeah. I, I think that a big part of how hard that's going to be is how much commitment to change people made over the last year. You know, a, a big conversation with my team was, I don't want us to be the same 
company coming out of COVID that we were going in because then we'd have wasted the experience of all the stuff that we had to learn, you know, during 2020. And I think that, you know, for folks who have come a little farther in embracing, yeah, I mean, you know, Brad, none of us knew how long things were going to be the way they were. And so, you know, for a while, uh, yeah, my partner gives me a hard time. He said, you know, we went fully virtual, our whole firm, uh, on a Friday and pick back up from home on Monday. And he said, you told me this thing was going to be two weeks. It's been two months. You know, you just never knew when it was going to end. And I think there are some people who did not um, embrace kind of the way things might be uh, until much later. And I think those folks will be much more likely to want to jump back into what they were comfortable with. There are some of us that, just went ahead and bit the bullet early on. Yeah, I'm one who I built out a full-on kind of studio in my office because might as well. I mean, I didn't know how long we were going to be doing this. And so, you know, um, being committed to what was going on last year and kind of the more you fully immersed yourself in accepting what that was, the more likely you are to continue to do some of those things. I, I think that, you know, uh, willingness to change and adoption of new things is going to be a big determinant in people's path forward uh, in 2021 and 2022. And we saw that exact same thing here at White Glove, where there was advisors that immediately pivoted, starting doing webinars, didn't see immediate success, but they stuck with it. They, they learned, they adapted and they saw tremendous growth after they, they figured out how to kind of crack that code. And then you had other advisors that said, nope, I'm just going to, I'm going to wait this out. And now it's been a year and they are kind of starting to realize now how dry that lead funnel has gotten, you know, going back and working their books. You know, a lot of, a lot of advisors had their best year ever last year because of, you know, they actually went in and found the gold that was sitting in their CRM but this year kind of kicking off, you know, we're, we're coming into Q2 here and, and we're realizing that a lot of advisors have kind of bled those books dry, if you will. And it's, it's time to get back to doing some prospecting. And, you know, I think that exactly what you were saying earlier, you know, building those systems, having it systematized so that you can invest and actually scale. I mean, I mean, that's the way to, to really grow your business. And, you know, as we wrap up here, if you had one, one strategic thought that says, Hey, you know what, focus on this. And this is what's going to move a needle in your business. You know, you've seen tremendous growth. What is that one underlying thought that advisors should focus on? I would say that, you know, for me, the biggest kind of takeaway that I've had from the last year has been to track things. Yeah. We track three things new money from new clients, new money from existing clients, and conversions from, let's say, a traditional commission-based account to some sort of model portfolio or discretionary you know, fee-based account. And if advisors will just track those three things, then they will give you the key to your point, Brad. Eventually, that, that conversion bucket, you, you may max that out. And, and one of the things that I've seen in our business is, you know, you can begin to see 
where your growth and new business is coming from. And if you believe that those are the three key areas, then you can see where you're missing. For example, if it's in new money from new clients, it, it gives you a real sense and understanding of what you need to do next, which may be, um, again, marketing, advertising, prospecting outside your existing business. And I think those are the three kind of key pillars to your business health. And so just tracking those three things will let you know where you're doing well, where you're doing poorly, and what you should do next. Love it. Some awesome actionable items here today. Really appreciate you being on the show and sharing what has worked for you and helping just move the industry forward. My pleasure. Thanks again for having me. Subscribe to this podcast, be advised leading with value, and you will know when new episodes are available. All as informative as this one with Chip Munn of Signature Wealth Group. Thanks to Chip and thanks to our host, Brad Swinehart. This podcast is brought to you by White Gloves Podcast Connect Program, a done-for-you, fully integrated podcasting system that will help you keep in touch with all of your leads. Thank you for listening to Be Advised, Leading with Value with Brad Swinehart. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of White Glove. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service providers with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning.